you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 19. You've heard it read this morning already. Thank you, Brother Lewis, for doing such a great job. And to be very fair and honest and transparent with you, I tremble to do what God has called me to do in trying to explain what is certainly one of the most powerful displays of God's glory and majesty and authority in Scripture, and I feel fairly inept at carrying such a burden before you. But if you would be gracious and attentive and prayerful, we'll walk through this together humbly before our God. The series that we have been walking through is called Going Places, and we have traveled with the Hebrew, the Israelite, the people of God through various stages so far as they left Egypt and made their way into the Sinai Desert, into the wilderness, with the sole purpose of meeting God. That was the point. They had been led by God, freed by God, miraculously delivered by God, but they had a purpose in going from Egypt, the land of slavery, to the Sinai to meet with God. As Moses came before Pharaoh time and time again, the command was, let my people go so that they may go into the wilderness and meet with God at the mountain. And for several weeks, we've been walking with them as they traveled through the well of Marah, where the bitter water was turned sweet. We traveled with them through the wilderness where manna was dropped from heaven so that they could eat and be fed. We saw them in the wilderness and the camp of Rephidim where the water was none to be found and yet a rock was opened and water gushed forth And yet they still quarreled and they were fearful and they tested God. We have seen them at their worst. And now they're at the camp. Now they're at the mountain, the place that had been the destination from the very beginning. And now they're going to meet with God. They have seen his power in the cloud of fire and the pillar of smoke. They had seen his miracles in making A sea part in half. They had seen his authority over creation and that dew would become manna and quail would fly in such a way that they would land before them so they could eat. They have seen a rock burst forth in water and yet now they're coming to God and it's getting more and more serious. It's getting more and more ominous. They are about to meet with the creator of the universe. They're about to meet with the sustainer of all life they're about to meet with the one who called out of nothing everything and it was so and there's a recognition of what they're about to enter into and they're like me and you probably cautious in their feelings and nervous about what it might mean to be in the sheer presence of holy God who has Communicated that he comes in a holy fire. There's so much in these verses for me to unpack, but in the best manner I can, I just really want to do it in two parts. A bit about the before and the day of. 
a bit about what led up to the descending of God, the meeting with God, and then the meeting itself. Let's talk a bit about the days before, as they were a time of preparation and consecration. Verse 10, as you heard read earlier, the Lord said to Moses, this is the instruction God gives to Moses to then share with the people, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Be ready for on the third day, God is going to come. Be ready for on the third day, God is going to dwell among men. He's going to dwell among the camp. Be ready and consecrate the people. Make them ready. Make them ready for God's arrival. Prepare and consecrate. I mean, just think of all the things that we do to prepare for very significant events in our life. I was imagining all the details. I've been married for over 20 years. I don't quite remember all the details that went into our wedding day. But I can promise you it took more than three days to get ready to get married. Maybe some of you, your wedding days were so significant that it took months, maybe even years to prepare. Some of you probably eloped. Y'all did it on the quick. Just got it done. But think about the preparation that goes into something as significant as a wedding. There are invitations and guest lists and the venue must be booked and the food must be planned for. There's the bridesmaids and the groomsmen. There's the ring bearer, maybe the flower girl. There's the dress. There's the gowns. There's the tuxedos. All the preparations. There's the musicians and the colors and the decorations and the table settings and the service. Oh, we can't forget about the service. What's going to happen in the service? All of that can take significant time. All of that can take weeks of preparation. Can you imagine if you were informed in three days, you're going to meet God. In three days, you're going to see God's authority and power and presence and holiness in a way you've never seen. Can you imagine in three days, you got the note, you got the word that God is going to descend in fire on this mountain that you're around. God is going to show up in a miraculously powerful way and you are going to feel God. You're going to hear God. You're going to see God. You're going to be in God's presence. Can you imagine, can you imagine the preparation in your heart to know in three days, you're going to stand before God Almighty? I mean, what would you do in those three days? What would you be feeling in those moments leading up? Well, Moses has been given some instruction for them first to do some preparation of the outside. To prepare the outside. He is told to instruct them to wash their garments and be ready to wash what they're wearing and you might think that's an interesting instruction from God to wash their garments. I'm a firm belief that God isn't super concerned with what we wear or our clothes, our shoes, our shirts, our pants. He's not super com 
concerned with our clothing, but he actually gives the instructions to wash their garments. Why would that be important? Why would that be significant? Because in doing the washing and doing the changing of the garments, they are going through a ritual practice of getting ready to meet with God. You see, the scripture says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, that man sees the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. But there is something in the heart of us that when we go through the steps to get ready, to get ready to meet with God, we are then rending our hearts and tuning our hearts to hear from God. Friends, I'm not making a statement this morning about what we should wear to church. I'm not making a statement about what's modest and immodest, what's appropriate or inappropriate. I'm just saying when you are in the moments before meeting with God, you start thinking about what it's like to stand in the holy presence of God and that's gonna cause you to do some things to prepare. He has them prepare their Garments. He has them prepare their hearts. The word consecrate is critical here. The word consecrate means to tell the people to prepare the inside. Not just the outside, but the inside. Prepare what's going on in your hearts. He says in verse 10, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Spend the moments in advance of God's arrival consecrating their hearts. Consecrate means to set apart and to make holy, to make clean and ready. I'm very certain that when we come to meet God, most of us are not prepared on the inside or on the outside. When we come into God's holy presence, when we come into God's house to be gathered with God's people, to to hear from God's word, to ask God to speak deeply into our soul and to reveal to us our sin. I'm of firm conviction, myself included, that I haven't done the preparation externally, internally to hear from God. Even this morning, even this morning, we tried to create just a little atmosphere to help us prepare, to consecrate, to get ready. And it's uncomfortable. It's unnatural. We want to visit. We want to chat. We want to Mingle, And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you knew in days ahead, three days from now, you were going to meet with God, what would you be doing? What would you be confessing? What would you be repenting? What would you be laying before the God of the universe in repentance, asking God, make me clean so that when I stand before you, I will be right and innocent? Friends, I think sometimes, We approach God with no preparation. We approach God with no anticipation. We approach God with no consecration. Several years ago, I was pastoring a church in Louisville. And one of the families, the Bang family, Sonny and Jenny Bang, actually... His real name was Soonhil. They were from South Korea. They had traveled from Seoul, South Korea to Louisville to go to seminary. And he had felt God's call to plant a Korean language church here in the United States among Korean speaking peoples. And while he was in seminary, while the family was there, they attended the church I was pastor of. And I always knew when Jenny and Sonny Bang were in the house 
Because like every pastor, before the services began, I would be out mingling, talking to folks, shaking hands, as I do here, visiting with folks. How's your week gone? How's the, how's the kids? How's the job? Certainly appropriate. But I didn't speak to Sonny and Jenny Bang because Sonny and Jenny Bang would be right in this section of the sanctuary and they would be on their knees 15, 20, 30 minutes before the service and not just them alone, also their children who were child age, little guys and gals, and they would be on their knees and the Bang spent 20, 30 minutes before the service ever started rendering their hearts before God, praying, asking God to show up, asking God to meet them. And man, what a reminder it was to me I'm out fluttering about visiting talking high-fiving shaking hands and what are the bangs doing the bangs are on their knees asking God to show up asking God to meet them asking God to be in our presence and man I was so thankful but I was also humbled and humiliated that I didn't have the anticipation or the consecration or the willing prepared spirit to say God if you arrive today am I ready but the bangs did. Oh, how serious, how significant it is when we meet God and how flippant sometimes we approach the throne. Friends, when we stand before God in glory, when we see him in his absolute glorious, magnificent throne, we're not gonna be milling about, talking and fluttering. We're gonna be flat on our faces, prostrate before him, begging God for our lives. That's the authority and power and magnificent presence of our God Almighty. And we sometimes approach him so willy-nilly, so fluttery, so insignificantly prepared for what God might do. Friends, if God showed up at Valley Creek today and blew us away by his power, would we be ready? Would we be open? Would our hearts even recognize the authority of God? I mean, these people saw God's power and they were terrified by it. Certainly they were anticipating a meeting with God, but they had to be ready, consecrated, absolutely ready. My friends, I'm quivering. Maybe it's the energy, maybe it's the emotion. But I just want to ask us, are we ready? The second thing in the preparation was the Limits and the boundaries that were placed around the mountain. This is so amazing and fascinating and strange to me. The limits and the boundaries are set. Verse 12, God instructs Moses, you shall set limits for the people around the mountain. And take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Don't even touch it. For whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot, whether man or beast, he shall not live. Do you, do you understand the, the reasoning God would put a boundary around the mountain? He would set limits. For they were going to have an encounter with God. They were going to have a counter with God's presence and God was fearful that if they came too quick or came too unready or unprepared they would be smit and struck down because they approached God inappropriately and so therefore he set limits and boundaries he set limits and boundaries so that they would not be killed 
Friends, when you approach God, you recognize who God is. And you recognize who you are. Several years ago, our family had the the joy of visiting the Arlington National Cemetery and the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Some of you have probably had that, that experience. I had been as a high school student on a field trip 20, 30 years ago, but I hadn't been since. I was bringing our sons with us and, you know, we're doing the Washington, D.C., the monument, the museums, Abraham Lincoln. But I'll tell you, that tomb of the unknown soldier was very, very different. Yes, there were probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people gathered around. But as you approach the tomb, you're out in a park, a a cemetery. I mean, it's massive. It's out in the open. But even as you hear people talking on the roads and talking in the, in the aisles, when they approach the tomb of the unknown soldier, they all go dead quiet. No one says a word. No one says a peep. And of course, you're watching the decorum. You're watching the chivalry, the, the marine guards, particularly in the changing of the guard. You're seeing often people leave wreaths or leave mementos of memorial But you don't say a word. You don't speak. You even try to do your very best not to bump into people and try not to to nudge folks. And you kind of just stand quietly, reverently in awe. And all you're displaying is a respect for the moment, a respect for the place, a respect for what has taken place at this memorial. It's an unknown soldier. And of course, there's something pageantry in all of it. But as you approach it, watch me here, friends. Listen, as you approach it, you just get the sense you're in some place special and sacred. And there's no there's no walking up loud and proud and joking and laughing. Because you recognize you're in some place that means something. And I think maybe at times we forget when we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we gather together in God's house, we're approaching something that means something. I'm not saying this carpet is sacred, these chairs are sacred, these music stands are sacred, but I am saying the God who we worship is full of authority, holiness, and He is sacred. We approach properly, humbly, recognizing what God has done. Later in Moses' life in Exodus 33, he has the audacity to ask God to show him his face, to ask God to let me see you as a man sees a man. Let me see you in your face-to-face approach. And God lets Moses know, you're not sure what you're asking. I can't show you my face, for if you see me, you die, Moses. If you look upon my face, you die. And so in this Gracious gift God offers Moses. I'll put you in a cleft of a rock. I'll put you in a cut of a cliff and I'll pass in front of you. But you can't see me as man sees another man. And certainly that's a recognition of God's authority, a recognition of God's power, a recognition that when we stand before him, we're not stand beforeing, stand beforeing some soft, huggable teddy bear. 
We're not standing before some Santa Claus in the sky. We're not standing before some old father time who's humble and brittle and humped over with the long beard. Friends, when we stand before God Almighty, we are standing before the creator of the universe who is glorious, infinitely big and magnanimous, and we will bow before him recognizing who God is. That's the God we worship. Friends, if you have any image of God who is small, any image of God who is weak, any image of God who is feeble, get rid of those images and recognize the authority and power of God. That is the creator who set things into motion. Scripture says in Hebrews 12, 28, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom, whose kingdom? God's kingdom, that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. How did he arrive on the mountain? In fire. Let me try to close on the day of. Day of. Third day. There's thunder and there's lightning and there's trembling. The people feel trembling. The power of God on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and there were lightning and there was a thick cloud of smoke and a very loud trumpet blast. The shofar horn is resonating through the camp and all the people in the camp, they tremble. They're terrified at what's happening. Thunder, the the natural order is now under the control of God. Thunder The atmosphere is under the authority of God. Lightning is under the authority of God. And this sound, this blasting horn is under the authority of God. And everybody knows, everybody knows God is arriving in power. Verse 17 says, and then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They are there to meet him. And they take their stand at the foot of the mountain. They're brought out. Now God is dwelling in their midst. God is dwelling in their presence. He is near them. The scripture says in verse 18, Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in a fire. And the smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. They're trembling. The mountain's trembling. Smoke's descending. God is in his authority and in his power and there's a recognition of who God is. And friends, I'm, I'm not trying to be overdramatic. I'm not trying to be overly animated. But when we stand before God Almighty, we don't stand proud. We don't stand really up on ourselves. When we stand before God Almighty, we tremble. We tremble at his voice. We tremble at his power. We tremble at his authority. Friends, what if God, what if God showed up three days from now in your life and in my life? What if God showed up here? Would we recognize him? 
I think the big purpose of this passage and certainly of this account and Moses's and the people's life is to help us to get a much bigger picture of God, much bigger understanding of God, to take our sometimes minimized vision of who God is and completely explode that into a vision that is grand and big. For when we understand who God is, our worship changes. When we understand who God is, our perspective of his authority changes. When we recognize who God is and we tremble in his presence, we recognize that he is the creator. We are not in control, that he is on authority. We are not on the throne. We recognize who God is and we recognize who we are not. Friends, you are not God and neither am I. But we serve a God who is creator and sustainer of all things. If I could invite the praise team to join me. God is certainly the one that we come to worship here today. And the rocks trembled and the mountain trembled. The people trembled. But that's not the only time the earth responded to God. As we look to Jesus on the cross... Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 27 that as Jesus was giving up his spirit, as he was crying out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sambachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as he gave up his spirit, the scripture says, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks split. Even at the authority of God laying his wrath upon his son, his justice, his righteousness upon his son for all the sins of all us who trust him by faith. There was literally an earth shattering moment, a rock splitting moment when Jesus died for our sin. And the earth responded by quaking and shaking and splitting. That's not the only time the rocks cried out for the scripture tells us that in Jesus's return there's going to be another blast as there was a shofar blast calling the people to the mountain at the end when Jesus returns the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15 52 in a moment in a twinkling of the eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Then when Jesus returns, there's going to be a voice from heaven, a trumpet blast for all the earth to hear. And the dead in Christ shall rise and we will be with him. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command and the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Friends, we will feel the rumbling of the earth. We will hear the trumpet call for all of us who have been saved by Jesus Christ. We bow before him in authority and submission and humility, recognizing his power for the cross of Jesus has provided for us an assurance that one day when he returns, we will not be left astray. He will be calling us up to be with him and we will forever be changed. Hallelujah. Friends, the earth shook. The mountains quaked. Holy fire descended. And one day, 
Jesus will call us all home. And if we're with him and we know him and we trust him, we won't be afraid at that trumpet call. We'll hear it as the sound of a homecoming, a returning of our Savior, returning of our God to call all his children to be with him. Friends, do you know that God? Do you know Jesus, his son? Maybe this morning you recognize you've never bowed your knee or your heart to the creator of the universe. You've never cried out in repentance and asked for forgiveness of your sins by his very son. That the cross means nothing to you. But what if you met God in three days? What if you met God today? Would you be ready? Would you be prepared? If you saw him face to face, would it be a welcome homecoming? Or would you be terrified at your fate? We're going to sing a song called Come to the Altar, and the altar is always open. Maybe this morning you just want to come before the Lord, bow down humbly because you have a bigger picture of him and you have a better picture of you. And you just want to lay your life before him and say, God, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you who are holy and authority and powerful. Whatever decision you may need to make if you need to speak with someone about what it means to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior I'll be here I'll be happy to tell you about him would you bow your heads would you prepare your hearts would you respond to God's spirit God's call dear God we just come to you humbly humbly I know you speak to every heart Speak to every soul. I pray that we would recognize your authority. We would recognize your power. We would recognize your presence in our life. If there be any who need to come, let them come. Let us all pray. Let us all repent. Let us all confess. Let us all bow before you, our powerful, mighty God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.